This is Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, featuring distinctly qualified global change makers dedicated to creating a healthier planet. One where our unique gifts are lived, expressed, and celebrated. I'm your host, Julian Guderlei. I'm here today with the documentary filmmaker, Gloria Pankrazi. Welcome, Gloria. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited. I just watched your new film, Coextinction, um, already award-winning and a profound documentary about our, you know, ecological crisis in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, you you followed the orcas, and um, by following the orcas, I understood the deep interconnection of the the bioregion, the salmon, the the waterways, and a really mind-blowing um, educational content that you created. So I'm, I'm excited for this conversation, Gloria. I'm super excited too. This is an awesome podcast and just super stoked to share the film and the message to everyone listening today. Yeah, in the movie, you are being called the Orca Girl. Maybe we'll start there today. How did that happen that in your life you were just like, I love these animals. I love the killer whales. I love what they represent. And I'm here to help protect them because at this point um, of our industrialization and, and, and you know technological progress, a lot of the ecological world is out of balance, right? And so how did that happen for you? Was it just as a child, you saw an orca whale for the first time or wh where to begin there? Yeah, I, uh, okay, so it started very early on. Um, I watched Free Willy, which is a very famous film for those who haven't seen it about um, this orca that's in captivity and this young boy who um, doesn't have a family and is kind of lost in this world, finds this orca and they form this really beautiful bond and friendship and he ends up freeing the whale spoiler at the end of the film um it's literally the cover of the film so it's not really a spoiler but um i just that started this really big fascination for the orcas i was just yeah i was just in love with them i would i watched the film every single day for multiple months afterwards <laughs> oh wow so it was like really like i love orcas and um they were just my favorite animal from from then on. And I was kind of reading anything. I, I read this little notebook and I would watch documentaries and write notes on them to try and learn about them. And my dream was to be a marine biologist. And when I was 18, I realized I actually didn't really love studying science. I always really loved speaking up for people who didn't have people or animals who didn't have a voice or whose voices weren't being listened to. And I've, I've always been like super interested by activism and all of that. So I was like, okay, how can I still work with the orcas, but also do something um, that resonates more with like my skills and what I want to bring into this world. And so I went to journalism and anyways, all that just kept learning more and learning more. And, you know, all my friends called like, just, I was the orca girl. They didn't call me the orca girl, but just everyone knew that I loved orcas. It was just this ongoing joke almost. And yeah, then I got this, I got really lucky. I finished university and I kind of felt that, that calling, I guess, to the West Coast. And I just found this organization that, that you see me um, at the beginning of the film when I'm monitoring the whales. And I just called them and the like founder was on the phone and we ended up chatting for like a whole hour. And, you know, he felt my passion through that. And then I got to go on the ground and I realized just how little I actually knew about these orcas. You know, I thought I knew so much from my research, but I knew almost nothing. And then you're on the boat there. And then I really start to like learn more. Um, yeah, so lifelong passion and love for them. 
and that's only grown while making this film because I I've, bet, yeah. I've just yeah just learned so much more about them and spent so much more time with them I really now say more like they're kind of like a guiding light in my life mm. um, yeah really really beautiful and powerful too you know it's 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 maybe endearing when we look at it through the eyes of you know a child growing up falling in love with an animal but the reason why I wanted to start here Gloria is because so many people that are listening to this podcast or when I meet people at events are like so how do I become a steward for regeneration what can I do and for me the the pattern that I've noticed is that people that take the most action aligned action are people that are just passionate about life and a certain aspect of life if that's an animal if that's a bioregion if that's you know something that has turned into a problem that you know shouldn't be a problem um like 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 dams or you know like uh, fisheries um you know that's that's where to follow our passions into bold action and, and you're one of those humans you're one of those people that that just follow the call and as you said follow the guiding light of the orcas and so yeah let's let's dive into the movie a little bit it's called co-extinction and at the very onset, you know, watching it, you think it's all about the killer whale, but then actually the storyline kind of, kind of detours to understand the larger interconnection of the ecosystem. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a journey. We recently just showed it at a film festival, and I love hearing people coming back, you know, to to the me and the and the, all the filmmakers that participated in making this film happen, and. They're like, this is so cool. Like you come in and you think it's about the orcas and then you get taken on this journey and realize it's about so much more. And I, I'm so grateful that that message resonated because that's what we wanted to do. Because that's how I started. I, I saw that it's about the orcas. And then as I was start making this film, you know, you like pull this thread, this line and it unravels and you're like, oh wait, okay, salmon, interconnectedness, indigenous rights, you know, like it's so connected to indigenous rights and indigenous stewardship and sovereignty. So the whole film is this almost like investigative journey where myself and Alana Jean, who is a wildlife filmmaker that's been fighting extinction for a very long time, we go and we try and figure out how we can protect them. And we, you know, we show that connection with an ecosystem collapse with indigenous rights because all of the issues the orcas are facing are connected to that. Yeah, and having lived up, up here in the Pacific Northwest for the last like 10-ish years myself, 10-ish years of, of my life, um, I, it's really, you know, it's really clearly visible, this thread that the indigenous cultures, you know, the, the Salish Sea, the Songhees Nations, they all talk about the salmon as the, you know, like, not just the lifeline, I guess, but like the cultural center point of this, this abundance and this bioregion, right? And that's one of the big takeaways I, I had from the movie is like, if we want to protect the orcas, we actually have to understand the life of the salmon and how industrialization and progress and pipelines and all of the things that, that sound good from an economic uh, perspective, that they're destroying life as we know it. And that there are certain things we simply have to stop. Like there's, there's no, there's no economic spreadsheet that, you know, can, can bring back um, the population of salmon, the population of whales, and beyond that, the grizzlies, the, the the eagles. You know, there's basically like every animal that lives up here is connected back to the health of, and the well-being of the salmon, just like the indigenous people always knew. Mm -hmm. And absolutely, and that's you know, 
it's both beautiful and terrifying, I guess, because it's so beautiful to think just how everything on this coast is connected and not just this coast, but on this planet, everything is connected. Um, definitely terrifying when you're losing, like you said, the like center point of it. And it's, it's very scary when you see the impact on people. Um, there's a lot of diseases, there's a lot of um, loss of culture for indigenous folks. And yeah, all of these issues are, most of them are happening without indigenous consent on their unceded land. So that's a whole other, you know, like layer that you kind of peel off and you're like, whoa, really big social injustice. And as the more time you spend looking into it and digging into it and, and working with indigenous peoples, the more you realize the injustice is really, really deep in this country. And yeah. we have to, like, if you want to protect the orca, you have to save, the, you have to protect the salmon. But also if you want to protect the orca, you have to stand as an ally and really work hard to help. I don't even know what to say, just like fix this country, I guess. That's probably the wrong wording, but. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, all, all words work for, for a conversation on a podcast. I mean, <laughs> fix this country. I've, I've kind of given up on the notion that we, we can even fix countries. You know, I, I really mm. truly believe that deep down the theme of regeneration that I've been following or the red thread that I've been pulling on over the last five years, um, you know, there's, there's, there's a few patterns. One of them is to reconcile and reconnect that we're all indigenous to this earth. And if we don't treat this earth like a mother, but, you know, only for extractive uh, corporate purposes, this will have horrid consequences. And almost all of us know that in our hearts. We know this in our intuition. Um, but it, I think it takes a whole generation of people to, to stand up and stop certain things. And, um, you know, lots of is already lost. And, and, and so reconciliation is, is going to be part of it where we, we come just into a different and new relationship with the pain that's also been, been, been created. But there are a few things that we need to stop, no matter if the government wants this or not. Like, you know, and I know people listening often want to hear like, what are the short notes of the movie? What are the things I can do? Um, my suggestion is definitely watch Coextinction. But if you were to give a few like, you know, top level things that, that need to happen, um, what, what are they according to you? Yeah, it's tricky without having seen the film and giving it too much away. And there's, again, so many layers. <laughs> That's the thing when you're dealing with interconnected issues and problems. But I will say, I will say the first one, I'm trying to think what's the smartest way of bringing this to people. And um, I will say the first one is like, depending on where you live, you know, be curious, look at what's happening in your hometown um, because then you can lend a hand there, right? So if you're living here or if you're close to here, like I'm not saying if you don't live in BC or Washington, you can't help the orcas, you can, but just without having seen the film, like be curious about what's happening in your hometown and like be curious about what you can do to land a hand. Um, and the other one, and I'll, I'll give into more specific details afterwards. The other one I'll say is, yeah, how can you be a better ally? And not just that, that you're, you know, posting it on social media or like, but like I had this beautiful um, climate chats that we have here in, um, in Squamish where I live. And someone said at one of them, she said, okay, so instead of just starting with a land acknowledgement, we're going to start and actually all think, how are we showing up as allies where we live? And everyone went silent and really reflected on it. Mm. And it was such a beautiful exercise to be like, how am I showing up 
for indigenous peoples whose land am I on right now? And there was a lot of like, huh, there's a lot more I could do or a lot of like, hey, I don't even know what I can do right now. And then like go and like look that up because that is, you know, I, I truly believe that is at the core of protecting the environment. So how can you be a better ally? That's the first thing I would say. And on our website, we have a whole issue that is indigenous rights, sovereignty and stewardship. And you can see, you can learn more, you can donate to people, you can do on the ground actions and at home actions. So we have a whole platform for you to like learn more if you're curious about that. Then the other things we're really trying to stop is um, this really big pipeline expansion being built um, in, in BC and that will increase tanker traffic sevenfold in the Salish Sea, which is the Orcas home, which could lead to a really big oil spill. It's also preventing them from getting their food, the salmon. So it's, um, that's one big thing that, you know, I highly recommend you check it out. And again, we have a whole take action page with all the info there. So supporting the people on the ground who are doing this work, whether that's, you know, following them, donating, but also learning more. I always think learning more about these issues is such a, an incredible, powerful thing, because then you'll know what to do without someone having to tell you what to do, you know? Mm. Well, I'm super yeah. grateful that you dropped everything in your life to make this movie and educate people because me watching this, I was definitely learning things of, you know, how to continue to be a better ally. And, and I love that answer because like, yeah, you know, regeneration is a planet wide phenomena and it's a principle of life. So if we, if we observe and educate ourselves, we will always know what next to do. But I think it always comes back to this 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 feeling of separation that I I see in the cities and I see in in a lot of the industrialized nations. You know, Germany and Canada are two prime examples for me because that's where I grew up and that's where I live. And you know, this this it it seems like propaganda to me at this point. This this talk about progress that's ultimately completely um run in cost of marginalized cultural groups like indigenous people but also totally on the back of the natural world and yeah I, I think when we let go of that separation and feel back into what our hearts really feel there's so much possible there's this truly i i want to you know make sure that this is, turns into a positive kind of message on this podcast today because even though it is like you know it is the time to act now more than ever before. There's still so much possible as we learn how to really represent what people and planet want before simply economic metrics, you know, or maybe one day we'll learn how to account for the, the true cost of natural impact in our economic spreadsheets. But as long as we don't, like we can't pretend that falling ancient forests or building pipelines or you know, polluting the riverways or even stopping them with dams is like accounted for, like the long-term consequences on the ecosystem or the people and the animals that it's accounted for in these spreadsheets, because it's, it's not. And everyone listening, I, I hope that we feel in, in continuously empowered, you know, to, as you said, stay curious and, and learn what, what's our next step to do in this world. I really love what you said about the disconnect. It's something, you know, we finished this film, we're trying to bring it out to the world and um, also starting to create new projects of how we can continue to help the coast, but the planet and people as a whole. And something we keep coming back to is that disconnect, which is like, not only disconnect, disconnect to ourselves, disconnect to other people, disconnect to the, to the land and the water. And there's all of this disconnect happening and it's connected to like, so we have to work to reconnect ourselves. We have to work to heal ourselves. And that's 
so you can bring that to so many of the issues going on in the world, right? If people did that work, then we could probably solve a lot of the problems. And so like, that's, you know, you ask what people can do and that's something else. How can you heal? How can you reconnect yourself with yourself, with others, with the land, the water, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's easy to, to say that, but it's, it's definitely a journey to do that. And that's why it's mm -hmm. such a delicate topic. And you mentioned it, like, you know, when it, when it comes to, you know, the way the separation embodies, I feel like, for example, in the Pacific Northwest, where we're both located when, as we're recording this episode, what, you know, this, the bioregion, your, your documentary is about making land acknowledgements for unceded territory has become a, a kind of a new normal. And it's, it's a great step, but it still kind of feels like virtue signaling as long as we're just like feeling like we check a box, right? Like the point is to get beyond the feeling of just checking a box, but doing it because it's genuinely the way we think, genuinely the way we feel and genuinely what lets us, yeah, like be informed about our next steps also. Do, would you agree or how do, how do you see this? And where do you see like are the opportunities for people to really, yeah, make that more of their choice, their practice and, and commit to it because they're Canadian, because they're from Washington, because they are from the Pacific Northwest? Yeah, no, I, I very much agree. I've had a lot of interesting conversations about land acknowledgements and how, like, you know, like one of them was like, should I put it at the end of my email? And there was that thing of like, oh, it feels like it's just checking a box. But at the same time, for people who don't know, then you're educating them. So there is like, I, I do think it's so important to do those because for because you should acknowledge it and number one, but also for folks who might not know out there, then suddenly they're like, huh, well, okay, um, maybe I'll like dig more into that. So I, but it can't be the only thing you do. Like that's like such base level. You have to, again, like you said, and like we did in those climate chats, like actually think about it, actually think about how you can, help and do more than just speak where you are but actually help um the reconciliation sometimes i struggle to use that word because it's overused and there's a lot of um not a lot of actions behind it it's kind of like a checkbox so but yeah i i wholeheartedly agree mm -hmm. well you're you know this this is exciting because i mean we're talking about it since this is a podcast and now we could we could say what else is there to do for the two of us? But in this very moment, we're recording this episode, right? And so this is the contextual thing is if, if we're in dialogues about these topics is let's have these dialogues, but then let's let that inform our action afterwards. I agree with you. Land acknowledgements are amazing because when they're not done, you, it's, you can feel it's missing. I was just in Brazil for the last five months and I realized it's not common practice there. So most people don't even at all acknowledge that there is unceded territory, right? Which means territory that was never agreed upon to be to be shared or to have economic access to, for corporations or, or governments so at the very minimum we can start there but you know there's there's so much more to do and i think one of the things that made me actually start this podcast was to to find a way to bring an empowered energy towards these topics because the climate conversation at large is <laughs> it feels so disempowering. And I mean, I can see it in a lot of people's faces when you talk about sustainability or climate, or, you know, my preferred term would be regeneration because it's, it's inherent in the principles of life. It's not something humans have invented that for a lot of people, it's like this gaping hole of disconnection. And so like, 
you know, I, I, in the movie, we, we see you be on different research boats and be with the animals and be, be, be out there. So clearly for you, this is like a way you, you live. How do you, how do you sense bringing this feeling to people? Because I, I believe that feeling is so important that we make this the way we live. Um, so we do follow our passions and we do stand up for the things that are, yeah, I do want to use that that terminology, like that bring us back into right relationship with the natural world. Yeah, how to be able to spend more time outdoors. It all start, you know, like it's hard when you're in a city and you're surrounded by all of these really, you know, concrete blocks and it's hard in capitalism to do this, to like reconnect when you're working nine to and then you have to go home and you have to like make a meal and then you've got social media that's like distracting you and this kind of like the whole I met this incredible man last weekend um who is also such a legend Jerry Lopez the like pro surfer I was completely in awe I could not get a word out when I met him but um so much of his life is about that connection and I and then we I was just chatting with friends about that it's so hard to keep that serenity, to keep that connection, right? Like the society we have is, is built to disconnect us right now. And so it's really hard to like, you have to actively be like really working hard to, to fight those things and to- You gotta make that choice, reconnect. yeah. Yeah, and it's obviously like, yeah, it's, it's hard to do, but that's why we're doing the work we're doing. That's why you have this amazing podcast and you're connecting those dots between the environment and that, right? Um, yeah. I want to dig one level deeper though, because I agree with you. It's hard <laughs> in the first step. Right. But then also like, isn't it also really, really like fucking hard to see the ecosystems around us die and pretend that we're like completely, uh, you know, like <laughs> pretend that we don't have the power to change things. Like I really truly believe in the power of people as soon as we were able to say, no, no, thank you. We don't want to be forced to do this. No, we don't need to, right? Like there are so many, we, we know this through the research that's been done on in many places. There are so many other ways to build an economy. In fact, a lot of the things that we take for normal in this current economy are just invented by humans and there are smarter ways to do it. So I personally absolutely see the possibility I, I want to acknowledge that it can be hard for someone contextually who, who has a, you know, a challenging um, onset on life. But then at the same time, it's like, this is the planet we're on. It's like, shouldn't, shouldn't that motivate us? Like, and how, maybe I can form this into a question. Like, how do you personally stay super motivated and optimistic and like just geared up to make this your path? It's, it's hard. There's like ups and downs and ebbs and flows. And that's just also life. Um, I, you know, that first thing you said of like, it's heartbreaking to see the ecosystem and the, the life around us die. And it's definitely been really challenging at times to, to tell this story, to see the orcas pass away, to, to see the rivers coming out empty, um, to see the wildfire smoke here. It's like, I really truly love this coast like many other people do and like see it like when you know it's disappearing, it's heart-wrenching. I think a lot of people also don't know that and they live here and they're not aware. So there's a whole other, you know, like if people don't know then they can't be heartbroken or angry about it then they can't go and take action. So that first education piece. And, um, and also all the, you know, like all the injustices I've seen um, 
characters in the film, indigenous characters in the film um, receive is, is also heartbreaking. So there's, there, there's been burnout in our team. <laughs> there's definitely been burnout um, mm. and, and hard moments. But I think what keeps you going is, is each other, like the community that you have. You know, whether that's the team or again, the characters in the film and when it's tough being there for each other, like that's always what just keeps you going, at least for me. Um, there's also the orcas, like as much as they can break my heart because they're not doing okay. They're what, like if I go to the sea and I know they're there, I, I'm better. Or if I see them, if I have the chance to see them, I'm like, okay, let's go. <laughs> Got energy for the next year, you know? Um, maybe not next year, but you know what I mean. And I personally definitely know what you mean. It's like <laughs> animals and the well-being of nature. Like it's not just a myth, right? I mean, this is one of the themes of this podcast. So yeah, yeah I know people are used to this by, by now, but like it's 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 a total feeling in of life. And it's 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 that which gives us joy that you know Charles Eisenstein wrote a whole book about it, like the the world our hearts know are possible. Like it's I believe everyone is born with this feeling that this is possible and 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 much more normal or natural than many things we're normalizing. But I also really appreciate, Gloria, you mentioning that like it was a hard journey even even just to make this film. And like there's the, you know, burnout because when you follow that story, you realize like, yeah, how disconnected a lot of the actions of humans on planet Earth have been until this point. Yeah, and you can't, you know, like my, my first burnout was after um, I was one of the folks that led a 364 mile march or kilometer march. I'm forgetting now. It's gonna, it was meant to be a 14, 14 day march. Um, it's in the film, spoiler. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, you can put all of yourself towards, because I, I agree with you. I totally know and believe that like one person makes a difference but one person makes a difference by like working with other people by being in a community right and you kind of like the power of the people and um and it is heartbreaking when like you try and it doesn't work and there's so much writing on your shoulders and you've given so much of yourself to the cause more than you had to give and then it doesn't work so i think that's where sometimes the burnout at least for me my first burnout came from that but um so it is challenging to make a difference, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't work. You know, it's just like, we have to keep at it and keep trying and keep trying. And it's like little, um, a lot of the friends that I work with say like a crack in the dams, right? Like that eventually breaches them. So just like, you might not see the benefit, like, you know, see what you're, see, I forget how you say the expression. You might not um, get the exact, action, you might not see the action that you've been working towards, but maybe it'll be seven years down the line, 10 years down the line, maybe it'll be in the next generation, but just that doesn't mean that it's not working. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you might not see the tree that you've planted kind of deal, right? Thank you. <laughs> and, and you know, but this is so interesting, because if, if we just, you know, un unwrap what you just said there a little bit more, in our disconnected state of consciousness, of mind, of action, of the, the way, you know, individualism, corporate capitalism, and this industrialized world has been rolling, of course, we, we want to do things just for the result. But then really, when we look at connection and, you know, indigenous ways of, of living that are still like, I mean, they're scarcely, but they're barely still on the planet. But 
the, that which is still here that we can learn from, it's a whole other way of connecting to the world, right? It's like you, you live with an awareness that there will be generations after you. You don't live with the, the desire to exploit everything so you can make some money from it right now. So there's an awareness that you might not see this tree bear fruit, but you're planting it because you you had children and you know those children will have children. And, and so I think this is a mindset that somehow got a little bit lost you know it, it's some it's one of the reasons i also started this podcast is to, to to ask people like what is your dream for the next seven generations like do you even do you ever even think that far and and so like for you personally like what would be your dream if you were to go into seven generations forward like what do you dream planet earth can be or or, or hope to to turn to plant some seeds in your lifetime it's a good question. I love that question. It's like half, I can feel half of my heart getting, you know, like wanting to cry a little bit because there's that fear of like, what if we can't like, can't make that happen. But I love, 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 you know, thinking about that and remembering that as another way to, you know, fight the burnout and to keep going, even when you do have all those challenges. And there is one that I, I actually say quite often, it's very uh, local, but, um, I often say this to um, dear friends of mine who, who also work to protect the orcas, you know, like one day the, ba the new baby orca that was born will be a grandmother and there will, she will have so many new granddaughters and grandsons and there won't be 74 southern resident orcas, there will be 300 and there will be salmon and the waters will have healed and the people will be coexisting. And obviously I feel like can we actually always coexist? I don't know. There's always going to be like, even with, you know, your friends and your partner, like there's, there's fights that happen and all of that. It's never all like perfect, but just working through the challenges to, to coexist. Um, but anyways, that like seeing the trees and the salmon and the orcas and the Salish Sea without tankers is kind of the dream that I hold on to. Beautiful. I'll share a little anecdote when I moved out, out West. Um, like this is totally, um, you know, Julian's naive uh, internal mind. But when I came out here, you know, first to Vancouver, then to Vancouver Island, where I just had this like deep recognition that this is a place that I, um, I have to connect with. I, I have to learn from, um, and, you know, I feel privileged to call home, but at first, <laughs> I remember having this picture in my mind that out west, probably in Vancouver, probably in the city of Vancouver, there would be a marine biology university where like the orcas and the dolphins swim into the harbor and like want to play with the humans. And, you know, there's like mutually beneficial research happening where humans learn from the animals and the animals get to know us. Anyway, so this was totally in my mind because when I arrived in, you know, Kitsilano and then Vancouver and downtown Vancouver and yeah, it's just full of tankers. And there's like barely any marine animal wants to swim into that inlet because, you know, it's it's probably really loud underwater. And, you know, I'm, I'm not against, you know, I'm not against uh, capitalism per se, but I, I do believe that this form of more and more and more to fill our disconnection through consumption to then justify tankers with pieces of plastics, like it's just such a clusterfuck of of like how clearly our society has gone way beyond disconnection way beyond extraction into into, into a place where we we all know everyone listening to this 
everyone who's making decisions, if it's political or economical, like we know if we keep doing this, if, if everyone wants to live like a North American, this planet is going to suffocate. And there's only one destination, that's destruction. So there, there is already an absolute need to turn around. We don't even need to have these rosy pictures that like maybe, you know, the orcas and the dolphins are jumping around, swimming towards us. I mean, that was definitely in my mind. And I was quite baffled actually 10 years ago when I, I realized like this is so far from reality. Like where did this picture even come from? It must have come from my heart or somewhere, but like it, it wasn't real yet, right? Well, and, you know, it's... Yep. Please jump in. It's funny that I had the same, I, I came here when I was 10 years old because I love the orcas and my, my family was like, we're going to go see the whales. And we went up north and um, we got to see them. But when I came back when I was like 21 to, to actually work with the orcas and, and study them, um, I also thought that, not exactly that, but I was on the ferry and I kind of thought that just you saw orcas every single time on the ferry. Like, you know, you would just look out and you'd see orcas everywhere. And I remember being like, oh, it's not like that. And I think it's it's a lot of it, I believe it comes from also how we portray British Columbia. There's a lot of, you know, supernatural BC. The way that like, I don't think it's just tourism, but I think the way that like Canada shows itself to the world is this very kind country that you know takes care of its people that has justice where that takes care of the environment totally not with a prime minister that would like buy a pipeline you know so there is that and same for bc it's like oh you'll see bears and salmon and eagles and and orcas meanwhile actually we're you know pushing them towards extinction so it's i think a lot of people get that when they come here and it takes a while to untangle that um, picture that has been portrayed to the world yeah, really well put. Um, so let's let's untangle that picture and let's continue to weave, um, you know, a new story. And let's 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 be the people that that are committing their lives to that. And you know, everyone listening, as you said, Gloria, like start where you're locally at. Like, this is not something we can conceptually solve in our minds. It needs to start with learning through curiosity. So on that question of learning, um, if you were to go back a few years, like, you know, maybe in your teens, what, what would be two or three things that you, you wish you kind of knew then that you know now after you've made this movie, after you've been on, on this pursuit for quite a while, like if you were to distill it into two or three like life lessons, what, what would they be? So things I would change or, or life lessons I would like <laughs> tell my like 17 year old um, self. Life lessons you would tell your younger self, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Ooh, those are big questions and I like them. <laughs> um, just thinking about it. I wanna, I wanna answer well. I guess like a, a that there's that a life lesson. I guess I, I did do it, so I don't know if I would actually go back and, I, and I'm very lucky and I have parents that always told me to like reach for the stars and go for my dreams so when I had never made a documentary and I went to my dad and I was like I want to make a documentary to help the orcas but I don't know how to do that he's like go do it you're gonna figure it out you're gonna find a way to get money and you're gonna break equipment and it's gonna be a shit show and it's gonna be great and you're gonna succeed um so just that that life Yay, lesson to, that's awesome yeah <laughs> so I feel like I had that support that, you know, one of the things I'd love to always tell to anyone listening and probably would still talk to my younger self is just to like, 
go for it to, you know, like just dream big and, and don't quit and be resilient and just go for it. Like really follow your heart, I guess. Don't be afraid that it's not the right thing or just follow your heart. That's one of them. I, I would have, I would have appreciated doing more of this work earlier on at the same time, it brought me to where I am here. So I wouldn't want to mm -hmm. change anything, but, um, cause you never know where that could have led me instead of here. But, um, I wish I had, yeah, gotten involved earlier just because there's so much to be done and it is very, mm -hmm. as much as it's really hard work, it's also very gratifying and maybe I would have had even more tools now to create even bigger change. So mm -hmm. that's a little, another, I think the, mostly follow your heart. I feel like that's the biggest uh -huh. one, you know, like it's just. It's funny because you said follow your heart, but then right after that, I think you said the, the key word here is, is grow resilient in following mm. your heart. Mm. That's yeah. Right. Cause huge. following your heart sounds so rosy, but the reality <laughs> of that is like, you'll run into complex situations, problems, things you can't maybe even solve alone at, at all. Right. Yeah. Like and don't so, worry about other, what other people think of you. You know, I know for me, that's a big thing. And I think that's what I was thinking in like growing resilient. Sometimes the decisions that are right for you are really hard to do because you don't want to hurt other people or mm -hmm. you're thinking or of like what people will think at least one layer of it. There's many others, but just, just do what's right. Do what's right for yeah. you. Um, and hopefully that also is something that's right for the planet and people. <laughs> right on. Uh, I have a follow-up question there because you said you would have wanted to start even earlier. So if you, Gloria, you know, alone or with a team of experts and of your choice, um, were to change the education system at large, you know, we, we don't need to talk about that. There's possibly a lot wrong with it already, but like, what would you change? What would you do different? Okay. I actually love this question because I had a little bit, bit of an epiphany about this yesterday. So I'm going to sidetrack and tell a little story. Um, yeah, so my best do. friend calls me yesterday and she's like, I'm going to put her on the spot. This is really bad. She was doing a, a, a test um, for, um, for to, to, to do the job she's going to do. I'm trying to not put her under the spot. And a lot of them were Orca questions. So she called me and I kind of helped her with the test. Um, this why I'm like, oh, I shouldn't say this. She won't oh, well, get in trouble. It's done. Worry, it's done. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't said her name. Um, so she called me and she's like, Glow, like, help me with this. And I'm like, okay. And she just asked the questions and like, I know the answers like that. And it is so much fun. And then there was questions I didn't know. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I'm going to look this up. And I was like, this is so much fun. And I kept saying like, if these were the tests I had when I was in school about things I actually really, 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 truly cared about. And not that it, they would be the only classes I had, but if there was a way to, hey, you're passionate about orcas. Okay. Like, yes, go do the things that will help you be a marine biologist, but also like having like courses that are actually just really interesting to what your passions are because I feel like so much I grew up in France and so much of the school system there really suppresses your passions and instead is like you have to do things by the book and really you know just get the good grades if you don't get a good grade it's bad and I was just thinking of of that how there's people are intelligent in so many different ways and the school system teaches you that you're only intelligent in one way and yeah just changing that Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. It's, it's, uh, I think everyone who went to a public school can in some way relate that there are so many things that are never relevant in life and so many things in life that we're passionate about that somehow never made it into school. And, 
Um, yeah, another one of those clusters that needs to be untied and changed. I mean, there is no, you know, um, <laughs> I will say this, there's no way uh, when I have children that I'll ever send them to a public school um, sim simply because like more humans that fit into that box, I don't think is what the planet needs. Yeah, like um, more, more funding to schools to be able to bring people, bring kids into nature, you mm -hmm. know, like get them to connect there, have like meditation classes and yoga and like movement. And I mean, I would, if I could, if I had like, could do anything I wanted, I would like completely, maybe it would completely fail, who knows, but I would love to try it out. Like, hey, this is actually what school looks like. And I and I do understand there's things that are important to learn, even if you don't like learning them when you're learning them. So not to completely remove these things either, but just, yeah, like you don't have to sit all day in a chair and listen, you can get up and move your body. Like there's literally classes where they're like, you can't get up. And I was like, okay, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel with you. I have another I have another question or two for you before we wrap this episode. And so this one is a bit more personal. But you know, earlier, you mentioned your dad really encouraged you um, to follow your heart and to believe things are possible and just just go for it, right? That's, that's a lesson you gave your younger self. So if you were to now, kind of just as you're like, you know, connected to your passion, you're connected to you know, standing up and speaking up for, for, I believe like the, the, the right mission, you know, how do you, how do you trust, how do you trust yourself and how do you, how, how does trust happen for you? Like, what does it feel like in your body? Really? You have such good questions. I love all of these. Um, yeah, it's hard to trust yourself. And I think that's connected with that, you know, follow your heart with that resilience that like your heart knows best and to not get into all of the the thoughts up there and to like reconnect with your body um that was a question again how do i trust myself yeah and, and like you know what is required for you to trust like i i'm on mm. the, you know this pursuit with some of these questions to understand some of the patterns of like you know i i believe a lot of the change we want to see is really connected to trusting ourselves and each other Great. and untapping the superpower of the human collaboration. And so how do we do this if we don't even know how trust feels? How do we do this if we don't even yeah. know what it requires to trust? Because we I'll blindly trust governments and sorry, I'm just going to go on a rant here. We blindly trust our governments and our economy leaders, but they have proven over and over and over and over again, no matter who is in charge, that they are supporting a system of this, you know, of, of destruction. And so let's revisit what trust really means for us. That's, that's kind of behind it, you know? Yeah, I guess I'll, I'll share how I, for me, feeling trust is to actually reconnect with myself. I think that's when I feel it. And how I do that um, is kind of getting into my body. But also there's a practice I do um, called Chadow. And it's, um, it's a uh, Japanese tea ceremony and you sit with tea for about an hour and you drink tea in silence and that always brings me back to myself and I can always like I feel like tr trusting yourself is like really like opening up the gates and it's just like like your heart gates and it's just like okay feel whatever you got to feel trust like you feel I feel trust then like a hundred percent or going to nature if I'm like spending time in nature I feel the trust yeah. So I feel like, you know, we talked about that earlier, like we're disconnected and reconnected to ourselves. Like, and again, it's all connected, which is so like, you can't find one thing that's not connected. Um, but for me, I, I feel the trust in, you know, everything when I'm 
connecting with myself. And then those are the practices that I have to connect with myself. Everyone has different practices, but I, I would say that's how you, how you feel it. And, and you can go forward knowing hmm. that just to trust what happens. Right on. Yeah. Thank you for that answer. Um, so, you know, my last question before I want to make sure you get a chance to, you know, highlight anything or make any shout out we're obviously going to link out all of the relevant links to the film and the website etc but my last question before all that um comes back around to you know we talked about passion earlier but let's let's use the word purpose because this is something that's been you know kind of on vogue and and and, and you know people talk about it for quite a while but again one of those words i believe they're just being thrown around a lot so gloria for you what is purpose and what does purpose mean yeah. Good question. I think for me, you know, I, sometimes I try and think what my purpose is and I, and I can't pin it down. Like it changes. I know the orcas are somewhere in there. Um, I know creating is somewhere in there and healing is somewhere in there. I haven't found like a sentence to put it all together yet. Um, or when I do, it sounds really cheesy. <laughs> so um, I just know there's kind of these words floating around for me that are like, those are purposes for me. And what purpose means, I mean, it's like what helps you get up in the morning, but not even just that, just when you want to quit, what makes you keep going, I guess. And what lights up that fire inside of you you know, when, when you're working on something and then suddenly like, you're just so stoked about it. And you, you, again, like we talked about earlier, you have all that energy to, to create it and to do it. So I think the purpose is connected to that. Beautiful. Yeah. May, may that fire be lit and maybe stoke that fire. All of us, you know, the two of us and everyone listening and everyone tuning in, make sure to share this episode um, in the, and, and make sure to watch Coextinction. Uh, had a really deep impact on me because um, I watched it when I was in Brazil a few weeks ago and I felt like there are so many things even though I've been on this quest for quite a while that I still don't know and I don't see all of the interconnections and so I'm I'm just deeply grateful for every human that switches on to you know embody embody their passion embody that fire and 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 make you know make sure these stories get out there and so I'm super grateful for you Gloria and for your team and for Dr. Bronner's for being on board with it. Um, if there's anyone else or anything you want to shout out, anything you want to make sure people know, feel free to do so right now. Yeah, definitely want to say, you know, you say Dr. Bronner's, we're so grateful to be working with them. They're really, truly incredible and have, you know, in terms of all those questions you ask, like they're just so aligned and really, truly care. Like I've, I think it's incredibly rare to find a company that, that's whose true priority is really like protecting the earth and and people like helping it's they're incredible so very grateful for them also you know just for shout outs the team everyone who's made co-extinction possible um pnw protectors who's an organization we work with and the film would not be possible without them they're also incredible doing incredible work to protect the orcas and the pnw and the last thing i'll say because the film hasn't been um, released yet the best way for you to know when it's being released and to we will also send you you know updates uh, from the team from the film take action updates all of that is to subscribe so if you go to our website 
you can see subscribe, you can put your email and your name in this way, you can be on our list and we can give you all of those updates. So please, please, please do that. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for having me, Julian. So grateful to like such beautiful conversations. I'm very, very grateful. Thank you so much, Gloria. It was a pleasure.